So uh, entrepreneurship has always been really important. Um, it's how all of these institutions, you know, every company was uh, started, every uh, government was started, every uh, nation was started. Entrepreneurship has always been important, but I think it's growing in importance in our time. And I think the reason is fairly simple, which is the future, we're kind of accelerating towards the future. The markets are changing more rapidly. You have the forces of globalization. You have technology change. And all of that means that how we both invent the future and adapt to it is becoming more and more important. And so, you know, how you create uh, new things, um, how you make something, that's, that's what the, the new institution, the new product, the new organization, uh, that's what entrepreneurship is about. So one of the questions that I've been thinking about in the last year has been, can you teach entrepreneurship? And I realized that it's actually, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a parallel, which is why it's so hard to actually teach it, to have it as a, as a kind of form of education. And that's because entrepreneurs, in a sense, are the modern pioneers. You can teach a variety of skills. In the business side, that's things like business models, um, you know, competition, shipping a product, hiring, uh, organization management, these sorts of things. Uh, just as, for example, for a pioneer, you can teach, you know, this is how you, you know, set up a camp. This is how you drag, you know, I'll use, we're here in California, you know, wild, wild west, you know, wagon train across the mountains, these sorts of things. But it doesn't teach you how to navigate the inevitably new circumstances that you get. Because when you actually have a new opportunity that comes about from entrepreneurship, because it has to be new, otherwise, you know, it would be occupied already. Um, how do you make those critical decisions and judgments in this new circumstance? And, and, and that's part of what really distinguishes the ability to pull together an entrepreneurial venture, I, uh, something new, something that starts on the back of a napkin, potentially, that's the kind of metaphor we use here, to uh, building it into a, a, a company or institution that's offering product and services, you know, hiring thousands and tens of thousands of people and uh, having global impact. And so, you know, when I was thinking about this, uh, it's one of the reasons why one of the talks that I gave earlier this year to South by Southwest and then published as a blog post, which is also an endeavor, was kind of what are the rules of entrepreneurship. As I was trying to figure out how do you convey what are the things to think about when you are um, essentially, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you set your mind in order to be a more effective entrepreneur? And so I figured I'd go through a couple of the rules, not all of them uh, here, and then talk a little bit about how it is that we improve our entrepreneurship um, as, a, as an arc. And I'm going to leave enough room for questions, because in case you showed up thinking that you wanted to talk about something else, <laughs> right, I'm perfectly happy. If it's, if it's of interest to the audience, I'm perfectly happy to talk about it. Uh, because you know, part of what we're, we're about here, this is about entrepreneurship. It's about how we invent uh, and create the future. So the first rule um, that I discussed um, was to look for disruptive change. And the reason um, that I said look for disruptive change is because it's what are the opportunities that come about that are really new opportunities, that are something... And because the opportunity, generally speaking, has to be large. It can't be something that's like, well, boy, you know, it's been sitting there for 10 or 20 years and no one's ever really thought about it. It's very rarely the right answer. And if it's not large enough to, 
to be something that, that you, could, you could make something uh, significant out of, it's not really high impact. And the kind of pioneer parallel to this is that if you're going to actually kind of pack up your wagons and go somewhere, make sure that where you're going is potentially really good, <laughs> right? Um, and that the algorithm by which you can, you can think about that is all of a sudden there's a new opportunity. Uh, it's a change in technology. It's a change in competitive landscape. It's a change in, in kind of how the global ecosystem comes together. Uh, the, second, um, the second rule that I was, you know, kind of was aim high. And part of the, the kind of aiming, uh, actually, I, I just aim big, same thing, <laughs> uh, was because uh, it's the same amount of blood, sweat, and tears when you start a company, whether or not it's, it's kind of a, you know, kind of a, a fixed vertical market or whether or not it's something really, really large. And the difference is, is, is that you, know, you might as well shoot for something large because you can still end up with something smaller, but aiming for something large is really important. And part of the reason why this is kind of a rule of entrepreneurship, and maybe this is the kind of thing that to this room is like, yeah, yeah, we already know this, we're living it, um, I hope, <laughs> uh, is because the, if, you're, if you don't start out aiming for the big game, you almost never can get there. Um, it's got to be the kind of the how do I have kind of uh, global impact. Like I think uh, all high impact uh, companies are basically have to think globally in nature these days um, because of the way that the, 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 the market ecosystem is going. And so you go, okay, how do I, how do I play onto that stage? And, you know, part of that in terms of a pioneer parallel is, again, how do I go somewhere that is, that is, that is substantial and unique? The third, uh, and this is one of the things we're going to come back to, is how do you build a, a network around your company? Because as much as we tend to glorify the entrepreneur as, um, as kind of a, you know, like, for example, LinkedIn is the product of Reed's brain, um, it's, actually, it's actually brought about by lots of different people. There's uh, everything from your co-founders, there's the early employees, there's investors, there's customers. Uh, some businesses have distribution channels, um, uh, investors, you know, there's a whole set of, there's a network around it. And that's even true, for example, when, you know, pioneers, you know, very rarely did one person get a wagon and head west. <laughs> that was usually a recipe for um, failure. Uh, really, one of the things that's really important to, to make these things more, like, more likely to succeed is to assemble a network around them that where that network helps you get intelligence, helps you get the right resources, and, and drives, uh, drives forward. And so thinking about it as, as what kind of network are you assembling around your company? So for example, the, the practical advice is when you're looking at financing, it's what additional uh, strength of network can I bring to my company when I'm doing the financing? Because it's a very good opportunity to get people to have their interest aligned with yours. The fourth, and this is actually um, a tricky one to explain, is to plan for both good and bad luck. Uh, and part of what it is is people say, well, what do you mean plan for good luck? You know, I have this idea, <laughs> you know, it, it, it works out, and then, I, and, and then things keep going. Well, good luck actually comes in uh, opportunities that you don't, uh, you don't normally um, 
you don't normally see. So for example, uh, PayPal uh, started as a encryption on mobile phones company. Um, because it was two close friends of mine, I joined the board when they founded it. Even though I thought encryption technology in mobile phones uh, back in December '98 was a uh, was a not a good idea, which I told them. <laughs> um, but it was kind of like you also back people. And then they were like, well, okay, not not encryption on mobile phones, maybe cash on mobile phones, or maybe not just cash on mobile phones, maybe cash on Palm Pilots, maybe cash on Palm Pilots, and uh, payment service through the web. And then they launched with that. And for the first week, they said, well, all this growth is, is coming through uh, eBay, but that's not really what we planned. We planned on people like, bringing their Palm Pilot around with them, exchanging money. You know, these aren't our customers. We should figure out how to get them off. And then, of course, part of PayPal's great strength was being able to pivot fast. And they went, oh, well, no, these are our customers. <laughs> right? All the rest of that stuff doesn't work. This is, this is the thing that we need to go to. And that's an instance of what I think of as planning for good luck, which is you basically, you go, okay, sometimes what happens when you start the journey of going down a company is you're looking for an opportunity that uh, you, may not rec- you may not have thought of it when you started it, but then suddenly you kind of, you know, like the pioneering parallel, you come around the corner and all of a sudden there's new opportunities available to you and that you head very strongly to that. And so good luck is not just, oh, look, my plan worked. It's you will encounter uh, opportunities that you will need to move quickly and grow into an exploit by having been on the journey. Now, planning for bad luck is unfortunately a little bit more straightforward, which is sometimes you find yourself, you know, pioneering, going that you can't find a way through the mountains. How? What are your? What's your plan B? Right. And one of the ways that I frequently think about this is I kind of have a plan A, a plan B, and a plan Z. The plan A is, okay, this is what we're thinking of doing. Plan B is, well, if that's not working, what are my parameters of flexibility? I'm still trying to get to that, the, the same, you know, build the same product, the same product market fit. I'm still trying to get there, but maybe if I try this rather than that. And so, for example, when, I, um, when, I, when we launched LinkedIn, you know, our hope was that people would just invite each other and, and the invitations would work and it would grow into a big network and, and you know, and that, that would be all we need to do in order to grow the network. Well, as it turned out, we launched the network and, you know, and a couple weeks later, we're growing at 2,000 people a week. And I was like, well, that's not fast enough. So uh, what were the other ideas we had in mind, the kind of plan B? And the plan B was, well... Uh, Actually, if we, one of the questions that people most have when they come to LinkedIn is, who else do I know who's here? So why don't we build an address book utility that allows them people to say, okay, how do I quickly find out who else do I know who's here? I upload my address book, I see who's here. Uh, we invented that whole pattern, and that caused our growth rate to go from like 2,000 a week to like, I think it was about like uh, 20,000 a week, <laughs> right? So, uh, and that's, you know, without that, I don't know if we would have succeeded. Maybe other plan Bs would have worked. And then plan Z is what happens when it's just not working at all, right? It's kind of the lifeboat plan. And that's part of the how you, um, you plan for both good and bad luck. The last, uh, well, no, there's two more rules I'm going to go through. Uh, one of them is, um, and I think, I, 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 you know, it's funny. This is, there's only a, a partial pioneering parallel to this, but it's so important for entrepreneurs to understand this, which is uh, maintain flexible persistence. And entrepreneurs are given two pieces of advice with equal vigor. If you look at them, they're in, contra- they're in contradiction. One is have a vision. 
you know, plow through the wall. Keep your vision. You know, don't allow yourself to be defocused from that. Keep going. The other one is listen to your customers, listen to market feedback, listen to your network. You know, be really adaptive. <laughs> and you're like, well, okay, <laughs> right? You know, uh, you know, how do you put those two things together? And that's part of again where it's a very difficult thing to teach, other than by doing, right? Other than by the the activity of going out and being an entrepreneur. Uh, and, and making those decisions. And so the reason that the rule is maintain flexible persistence is because it's both keep a vision and be flexible. So, for example, if you think about the kind of the ABZ planning framework, it's like, look, I've got a plan. I want to try to get there. This is my main plan. If that's hitting problems, like I'm not growing fast enough or I'm, I'm stalling out, okay, here are some things I can try to keep trying to do that. And if that doesn't work, how do I shift to a different destination, a different location? That's part of the plan Z. So the last rule that I'll go through for, for today, uh, before we get back to kind of entrepreneurs as pioneers in education, is uh, that these, are, these rules are not uh, rules of physics. They're not natural gravity, you know, gravity, not just an idea, it's the law. <laughs> um, they are... Uh, they, are, they are kind of rules of thumb by which you navigate. And that's part of what makes entrepreneurship so interesting because usually almost every company has something of a unique pattern uh, to how it operates. Now, sometimes a unique pattern is where it's operating in the world. Uh, sometimes it's uh, a question of, what, uh, of which distribution channels it has. Um, but one of the things I love about the consumer internet, which is what I focus on with uh, the vast majority of my time is that uh, each thing to elevation kind of defines its own unique space and that, and that what you're really looking for is a, a unique pattern of getting there. And so the, the, the problems that are in front of a company, even though there's family resemblance to them, like, well, okay, how do I scale a sales force? Or what do I do in terms of financing? Or, you know, how do I work with uh, potential, you know, uh, financiers and all the rest of this? How do I make all that happen? And there is a skill set there. The combination and how you, how you pull it together and which is your strategy that pulls it off, that's how new strategies are created. And entrepreneurial companies are usually the ones that create the new strategies. And so uh, usually when I'm telling someone that I think something isn't going to work, I never say, well, that'll never work. Well, actually, sometimes I say that. <laughs> uh, but usually it's like, well, that's going to be really hard, and you're really betting the farm on that one idea, which doesn't strike me as, as it's potentially going to work. And so, you know, these are the kinds of rules that are the kind of things you have to learn in, in, the, in the journey that you take when you, the metaphor that I use for entrepreneurship frequently is you jump off a cliff and you assemble an airplane on the way down. And the reason I use this metaphor is because it's kind of the, it gets you really focused because the ground's coming, right? Financing isn't success, it's a thermal draft. It just makes the ground a little further away. You have to get the, the plane working. And... And of course, you know, if you get the plane working, maybe it goes off, up and off to the right, and that's good. <laughs> and, so, um, and so the question is, how do you learn this? And, uh, you know, the funny thing is, I get a fair number of governments and other institutions coming to me saying, so, you know, how do we set up entrepreneurial education, and maybe we do, you know, an entrepreneurship center, and those are not bad ideas, because I think anything that supports entrepreneurship is, generally speaking, better than not having. Um, but the real way that actually this education happens is through networks. And 
it's, it's networks like, this is part of the reason why um, when uh, Linda was saying, well, you know, what do you think about Endeavor? I said, well, it's really important. She said, well, when are you going to join? And I said, well, it's when, not if. It's because pulling networks of the shared information and the shared contacts and the shared ability to find the right resources in order to create these massive institutions from nothing, the network, the education that you get from your network is actually what's critically important. And so, like, for example, one of the things that I frequently tell entrepreneurs, like, when I, well, like an entrepreneur has an idea and they come and they say, they say, well, who should I talk to about it? And it's like anyone who can possibly give you good feedback. Now, you don't publish it to the web, maybe, because you don't necessarily get good feedback there. But anyone who can give you good feedback, you go and tell them your idea and you talk to them about it. Because the way that you have a competitive advantage is not because, oh, I have this idea and other people don't have it, and the moment they have it, I'm going to lose a competitive advantage. It's because you're in motion on it. You're assembling the network around your idea. You're getting the co-founders, the employees, the potential customers. You're moving and you're adjusting by talking to a number of people to getting to the right target. And so just someone else having the idea, that's not the, that's not the impact. And so it's the network that essentially provides the education. And that's one of the reasons why I think that the, um, that the thing that Endeavor does, both in terms of its global network and in terms of events like this, are so critical for what entrepreneurial education really means. And it's, of course, extremely important because if you look at, I think, the ability to have high-impact product services and companies, I think that they're all global. And so a global focus is, I think, extremely important. Now, it's interesting when it gets to thinking about entrepreneurial companies and venture because you know, part of the thing is, is it has to start local and rooted. You have to get a team together. They have to have an idea. They have to have an aperture that they're trying to drive their strategy through. Um, you don't start with thinking about how do I take over the whole globe with my new product, my new idea. You start thinking about it, is how do I establish this as a strongly growing, you know, a, an ongoing concern that, that can fund its own expansion all the way to being a global entity, ultimately. But all of the stuff starts locally. It starts with, you know, uh, a region, um, Silicon Valley, you know, Chile, Argentina, <laughs> Jordan, uh, local entrepreneurs with, um, and I you know, could go through the whole list, but then you don't, you don't want me <laughs> uh, doing that, so I don't mean to leave anyone out. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, you know, and then how does that grow? And then how does that get onto the global stage? And so... Uh, that's one of the reasons I think uh, putting time into this is extremely important. And, but here's the thing I think is particularly interesting when it gets to entrepreneurial education, which is I think it's the importance of these memes and of this learning is going beyond just founding companies. Because if you look at it, with the trends going on in terms of globalization, accelerating change in markets all of the institutions, not just the new companies building new products and services, have to adapt. Which means every individual now needs to act more entrepreneurially. It doesn't mean that every individual is going to found a company. Actually, I think relatively few folks you know, go through all of the different complexity and assembling all the different problems you need to solve um, to found companies. But that I think every career is now entrepreneurial. Because I think it's both entrepreneurial by which uh, the way that you operate within an organization, within a company, is the market's changing and you need to help the company adapt. And then because the market's changing, what is like a career path 
is no longer straightforward. Right? It used to be like kind of post-World War II. It's like, well, you join a big company, you work your way up the ranks. Then it kind of got modified a little bit while well, you jump between companies while still working on a career ladder. I don't think there is any such thing as a career ladder anymore. And I think that the pattern by which you, you, you develop a skill set and a set of work, a set of ability, a network, uh, skills, and all the rest, I think actually much more mirrors how entrepreneurs live and work than, uh, than anything else. And I think that's part of the reason why what we're doing is important, is I think it has that kind of global impact. So uh, I'm going to make one last comment about global, and then I'm going to open up for questions. Um, one of the things that I think is kind of most interesting and in the challenge is, is, is how do you both um, build something really strong with kind of a local focus, and then also how do you participate on the global stage? Now, I have done that uh, with, a, with kind of two very um, easy things, which I can kind of say, okay, well, I focus on the consumer internet, so you can have your servers there, uh, and then that can very quickly uh, scale globally. So, for example, we launched LinkedIn with uh, 13 countries in the list, and I think it got to the full country list within about four months because as each person complained that their country wasn't in the list, we added it in <laughs> um, as a way of doing it. And then the second is because one of the benefits that we have um, starting with kind of a local market in Silicon Valley and going out to the U.S. is the U.S. gives you a, a very strong basis for doing that, that aperture. But I think that's a skill that we, uh, that everyone needs to learn in terms of how you, you kind of play out on the global stage. And I think the sharings of, of information through these networks of entrepreneurs uh, between Silicon Valley and other places in the U.S. and other places in the world and other places in the world and other places in the world, I think the skill set's going to be evolving at a very fast rate, and that's part of the reason we do things like this. So with that, I think I will uh, take questions if there are any 